DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're joined now by Craig Bullerjack, TV voice of the Utah Jazz and Kansas City Chiefs superfan. <laughs> hey, good morning, guys. You feeling good about this season? Well, I'd say as long as, uh, you know, we don't, uh, the Chiefs don't find the injury bug or, you know, an issue with COVID. Pretty impressive, to be honest. I gotta be. I gotta be honest. I like good chances, but you never know. After fifty years of repeat, your head would explode. <laughs> oh, I don't know what I'd do. Back to back? Are you kidding? Unbelievable. But yeah, that's a long way to go. Long way. Playoffs to go. are tough. Playoffs are tough to get through. What's it like to be a Chiefs fan in that area? Because it's not a you know it's a big city, but it's also not a major metropolitan area by any stretch. Right, right. No, it's it's a close uh, close community, um, but it's growing just like Salt Lake. KC's kind of a hidden gem. I know that people shake their head at me and go, "Are you kidding?" It's the Midwest, but you know it's very hilly. It's very you know trees. Uh, I guess what you know people always tell me, like, "How did you go to school at Kansas State?" You know, and, and I said, "Well, it's really a gorgeous campus, and it's right in the Flint Hills, and Kansas gets a pretty um, you know." bad shake for being flat and true once you get past junction city kansas you can put it on autopilot and basically take it into denver i mean that's just a it's a straight shot down i-70 you know westbound but i mean it's a state of wheat and corn uh but the kansas city area is unbelievable i i love it uh it's hot yeah it's humid absolutely but you didn't know any better when you were a kid um that's just the way it was when you went outside you know you knew you sweat and a lot of it, but it's a tight it's a tight sports community. I think there's kind of that same feeling in Salt Lake, where a little bit of us against them. Um, you know, the the non-believers that how could you know a, a team in Kansas City actually you know build a, a Super Bowl caliber team? But you know, drafting uh, obviously has been a big big factor. And then when you have a Patrick Mahomes like a Donovan Mitchell, you start to to land you know, certain players that that will fill the gaps. And that's what Kansas City's done with Mahomes, just good draft picks and a heck of a coach, man. Andy Reid is well-beloved in the NFL, and a lot of players love playing for him. So I think those are all the little keys that, that help any franchise, you know, rise back to the top. Who do you fear? I fear injury. Uh, I do, man. In this day and age, you know, you, you lose a Kelsey, you lose a Mahomes, uh, you lose uh, the cheetah uh, and 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 Hill, and and all of a sudden you lose, um, you know, weapons. And I think that's one thing too that when I look around the NFL, you know, Brady in New England had so many weapons for so long, and then you know Gronkowski left, and then you know has reunited with him in Tampa Bay. But you have to have those special. Those special players and connections, you know, uh, and I think you find that with Mahomes and Kelsey and uh, and Tyree Kill. Um, I mean, it's it's they they've given Mahomes, as you know, guys, weapons to use to make his game at an elite level. I mean, he's had one pick. I'm just I just I'm looking at his stats: 21 TDs, and he's averaging over 300 yards. He doesn't make a lot of mistakes. And he's able to roll out and slingshot a lot of footballs around the around the field. If you ever watch the Chiefs, I mean, you have to be impressed with this young guy. He he seems to be beyond his years and the ability to read defenses, and that's 
that's the other part of it too is just you know that, that we all say IQ football basketball you know IQ but definitely he he has the ability to scan a field quickly uh Alex Smith had it um you know I think obviously uh, Aaron Rodgers and and uh, Brett Favre and Tom Brady there's just special guys who can glance, and Tony Romo can tell you what's going to happen before it even happens when he's doing games with Nance so uh, I think that's uh, another part of his game that sometimes is overlooked. I think Andy Reid here, what he did, what he has done with the Chiefs, is one of the great building slash coaching management, whatever you want to call it, jobs literally in the history of sports. Because you look at where they were before yeah. he got there, and you look at where they are now, and it is just absolutely the ultimate impressive. And, and DJ can vouch for this. We've talked about this. It has always amazed me how franchises at the professional level build themselves because you look at college, and if you got the interest in the money, you know, the Ohio States and Alabamas of the world, well, you can understand why they're good. You know, they have a rabid fan base, so much passion. They put so much money into it. But the pros, you know, basically things are even, not completely, but everybody has an opportunity to be good. So not just specifically to Andy, but to see what he's done there is really remarkable. And you wonder, why do not franchises model themselves after the success because it seems like there's a recipe out there and if you follow it you should be able to have success and respond to that because it just it amazes me how some are consistently good like the Steelers year after year after year and here they are right now still undefeated and then other franchises seems like they suck all the time <laughs> There's a lot to that, PK. I tell you what I get, and it's in college as well, even more so now in the college ranks. Uh, it's just a rotation of, of coaches and the inconsistencies. It's it's uh, general managers who try to take over the head coaching job and, and coaches who try to be general managers. You have to try to separate that if you can. Give me players that, I, that they know I can coach in my particular realm of offense and defense, and you have to have the right coordinators who are going to go along with you. It's – it's not real hard, I don't think. I mean, college is really left, I think, kind of going to arrive because it's win now, PK. I think that's that's really what's happening, especially in college, is that, you know, back in the day, you would say, well, of course, you know, you'll get a, a complete recruiting class that runs through and it's a four-year or five-year deal. But, you know, how many how many coaches in the NBA and, and colleges and now in the NFL, it's one and done. If you can't make the turn and do it quickly, your job is done. So there's very little uh, patience. And I think what you saw in Kansas City was they were totally bought in on Andy Reid after his days in Philly, and they realized what he could do, and the players bought in, and he brought in the enemy, Colorado running back, and, you know, it's got a heck of an offense. But yet he's got the tools, right? And they're willing to spend some cash. Look at the money uh, that they extended Mahomes. And, you know, sometimes franchises are there for write-offs and not for championships. And I think Kansas City made a big decision to go the opposite way, and that's to win. And I think they, they, you know, a lot of teams, you know, are competitive. And it's like the Jazz. What's the next step? That ne- that next step is razor thin from really good to excellent to, to contender to champion. And I think that the, the Chiefs made the decision to do that. And, again, you have to have some luck, right, uh, in, in the draft. And Mahomes just happens to be the right guy at the right time. And what Andy Reid has given him tools, but also – 
his system is is perfect for what for what Mahomes does. And I think a lot of coaches try to force their style or their offensive philosophy on players that don't fit what he's trying to do. And then you have have issues. I mean, my days with the Dolphins, uh, they had a rotating door of coaches down there when I was at CBS and working with Greasy and Bo Camper and Nat Moore. They all looked at me the same way and said, you know, this just doesn't work. We don't have the players to fit Nick Saban's style or Dave Winstead. I mean, it was just always some sort of an issue. And so you have to make the right decision on the coaches, and he has to be smart enough to realize, take advantage of the strengths, you know, the strengths that are on the roster. And a lot of coaches, the ego won't allow them. Uh, they have to force what they do instead of trying to adjust to the guys they have. Craig Bowlerjack joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. You bring up the role ownership plays. And I'm curious, uh, you know, it's probably too early, but that's never stopped us before. Never. No, uh, it has not. After 35 years of the Millers uh, owning, owning the Jazz, now Ryan Smith is going to own the Jazz. What changes do you anticipate, and on what timeline do you think we might see those changes? Well, you know, no, no conversation from the Jazz or from Ryan in a de- in-depth discussion until they, they make the, the, the sale uh, real after the Board of Governors approve it, which I don't see a problem by any means. But, you know, I mean, talking to him on the floor a few times, uh, he's energized. Uh, talking to him on a Zoom call, I found that he was even more so. Um, uh, he made it very clear that he wants his team to be at the highest of levels. That's all he knows. Uh, that's how he built his business. And, you know, he's kind of a I would say he probably been mentored some by Mark Cuban because they're both you know tech guys who've made it big, and now are you know both are NBA owners. And I think you kind of see what Cuban did with Dallas, and I think you saw loyalty with Dirk and the Mavs and Cuban. And championship came, and you know they're still incredibly talented team with Porzingis and Luca. And I expect Dallas to be right back in our you know in the face in the West. So. I don't see the Jazz backing off by any means. Um, you know, to Gail and Larry and the Miller family, you know, I give my thanks. Uh, I don't think this this city would be the same by any means without what the Millers did. And Larry went out and stretched his neck to build, you know, the what's then Delta Center and now Vivint Arena. I mean, think of the the impact they've had um, around one NBA franchise. Granted, it helped their businesses. But also just to have this team, uh, I mean, change the whole fortunes of the state in so many ways and, and everyone surrounding Utah. So to them, I thank them. And, you know, for Ryan, I'm excited to see. Gail said it herself. You know, they went on a journey 35 years ago, and now it's time for Ryan and Ashley for their journey. And new blood, you guys have to, you have to be honest. Sometimes it's, it's just time. I think Gail felt it. It was just time to hand it off and let uh, Ryan and Ashley take it. As I said, that is a razor thin, you know, one step to the next level. And it's either, you know, one player, it's one decision to do you jump the, the salary cap, do you take, you know, roll the dice. But you also have Donovan Mitchell, who's one of the most young, influential players in the league, and to use, use him as a recruiting tool to bring in players, but yet those players cost money. And how competitive can you be or will you be um, with Ryan, and that's what I'm kind of waiting to see how aggressive he'll be and and decisions he'll descend, to, to, you know, to make to, to Dennis and and Z Justin Zanuck on saying let's go, and that's what it takes from an owner is to say go, 
and do it. And uh, we'll see if that happens or not. And free agency, which has to be, I mean, just around the corner. I think they're meeting as we speak uh, to make a decision on December 22nd and, and uh, December 1st training camps. You got about a week and a half or a week plus from from a draft, and then free agency is going to be a whirlwind. So there's a lot of ha- there's going to be a lot happening once the league and the players give their thumbs up on a restart or not restarting, but starting uh, this season, this new season, uh, the 2021 campaign. So I was thinking, and uh, you guys both chime in if you can come up with an example. I don't know. In modern times, has this this ever been done before, where a, a billionaire and we've had plenty of them, and obviously they're astute business people, man or woman, whatever they might be, but I don't know that a person has ever grown up a hardcore fan of a particular professional sports franchise and then turns around and owns that team. Cuban, mm-hmm. Cuban, I mean, Mark Cuban. Well, see, I don't know that he was a Dallas Mavericks fan for life. He's from Indiana. He started that broadcast mm, okay. thing so he can get Indiana Hoosier basketball games. So he was a season ticket holder, but right. that doesn't necessarily take him back to the age of seven or something. Right. Right. And, and playing and you've junior got Ryan's. jazz. Yeah. Yeah, like so, like Ryan admitted. Right. Ryan thought he'd be a <laughs> – Ryan thought he'd play for the jazz. Right, PK? I mean, he was a yeah. junior jazz player and then um, thought he'd, you know – be playing playing for Larry, but now he, he owns the team. Now, I, the, these are special. You're right. I mean, Cuban would come to mind too, DJ. But you're right, PK, Indiana hometown, but yet was a huge basketball fan. And then you know, obviously the tech money came in on a sale and was able to to, to purchase yeah, the Mavericks. And you got Balmer, you got Paul Allen, and these sure. guys are sports fans. Uh, maybe Paul Allen falls into the category with the Seahawks. I don't know. Uh, on that, but this is something that uh, you know. I, I Sarver down in Phoenix, I think, as a Tucson guy, uh, and so maybe that goes into it. But obviously, that hasn't gone well at all. Since <laughs> they've been well, a, a pretty and, a pretty good franchise, P- it's just hit the P- skids. And PK, you make a great point though. Being a fan and then transitioning into an owner. I mean, let's talk about that. That that can be disastrous, but which also, is what it be, was exactly going to be my question to you. How do you think yeah. that will go? <laughs> well, you know what? When you go back, let's pedal back thirty-five years, and people don't realize Larry had never been to a game, and until he went right. with Sam Battistone, right? So, I mean, his fandom grew out of his ownership, and and we know there were some hiccups along the way, and he had to really pull himself back um, and understand that owners can't do and be that emotional. You know, we see it with Jerry Jones sometimes in Dallas, and uh, you know those those are you know you sit back and roll your eyes sometimes. But no, I think it's going to be a, a transition period too for Ryan because he set courtside just to our right when we used to set courtside in our broadcast positions with Greg uh, Greg Miller on many many nights, um, and that's where we had our chance just to say our hellos, but. I, that will be interesting, you know, because the love of a franchise runs deep. But if you own it, then I think you, of course, have to step back and readjust your fandom into ownership. And, you know, sep- if you can, you have to separate separate yourself and let Quinn do his job, let Dennis do his job. Now, look, you know, new ownership, 
usually means he's going to put his finger on this franchise in some way. Uh, you know, I don't see it. From what I understand, that's not the way he operates. He, he adjusts. He, he observes, and obviously with success, patience. So, uh, but he likes to get things done, and, and so that's going to be interesting to see the whole transition here this year. Probably a, a, a season of, of well, he's already well, he, you know PK. He's already watched the team, right? He's already probably in his mind analyzed everything, and he knows the way the system works within the the Jazz, you know, office. So, yeah, maybe the transition just to ownership will be easier for him than an outsider. But you're right. I think you have to kind of pull back a bit when you own a team that you've loved since you were a kid. Um, and that will be interesting to watch as well. Larry had to adjust, and I'm sure Ryan will do exactly the same thing. Yeah, I think a lot of the owners that you would talk about in that situation, PK, would be owners who knew they were going to inherit the team at some point, And that's kind of a different yeah. beast. You know, right, exactly. the, the yes, Bidwells yes. in Arizona, the Rooney's, yes. the Maras, right. even Hal right. Steinbrenner. I think he was like, yeah, five when his dad bought the team or something like that. Right. Well, the so Dolan we understand family, that. I mean, that's, that's a different right deal. There. Yeah. Every time we go to New York, you know, fans in New York. I mean, there's no love affair there. You know, it's just it's the Knicks, and that's a stunning uh, situation in New York where you would think that would be one of the destination points in the NBA, but once you land, you don't stay, and the fans understand that. And it's, uh, it's an amazing place to go and call a game from Madison Square Garden, but uh, the love affair with fans and ownership there, is, uh, as we all know, is not, is not the strongest. So, Bowler, with uh, this compressed free agency coming up, it seems like there are decisions to be made. I don't know when the Board of Governors is going to approve this sale, so I don't know how hands-on Ryan can be. But at the same point, given that he's apparently going to buy it, I don't know how hands-off he can be. Right. Uh, it's an unusual situation, and I don't know where I don't know where the line is. But you know, everybody talks about. Um, you know, the decisions that have to be made, there's really big decisions. They don't have a lot of money to send, but, you know, does Conley opt out and do they give him a two- or three-year deal and spread the money out? I mean, that that's a critical decision. And who's going to make it? How's it yeah. I mean, how is this going to play out? That's a, well, that's a lot of money to just turn the basketball people loose on. I think most of the people running clubs would be going to the owners saying, how do you want to handle this? Yep. No, I totally agree. I don't know how it's all going to be played out. You know, if there's <clears throat> the Jazz have always played it. You know, the rules to the nth degree. At least everything I've, I've I've known, and I think you two have covered this franchise for many many years. And I don't. It's 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 a tight look. How did how did the owner how did the sale not leak out? That tells me again just how tight lipped and how they do things. I mean, it goes all the way back to Scotty Layden and, and Kevin O'Connor, and now Dennis is that it's tight. What they've always done is protect the players, the ownership, and the franchise because the last thing they want is to have things jump out that aren't true, and then you you hurt players' relationships, et cetera, and you don't want to get in, in Dutch with, with the NBA, obviously, with a potential fine. So I don't know what the answer is um, on on what. Maybe there was an understanding when he signed or signs the papers on what what are gonna what's gonna happen, and there has to be some sort of a of a, a knowledge of his spendability uh, compared to what the Millers were were um, you know willing to do. But you're right about decisions. Mike uh, comes to the forefront. Jordan Clarkson uh, re-signing him, and then obviously Donovan's extension, and the big one 
that's there that has to be addressed is do you go supermax or do you convince Rudy that look will you're you know you're one of the highest paid centers or one of the highest paid players in the league there's only five or six right that are supermax but do you want to win a championship and I know I'm smoke blowing smoke here but in reality with that extra money uh, of course bring you the title you so well you know deserve and want um, and does Mike Conley believe in that same process as he's aging and, and years are running out in opportunities? This is his best opportunity to win and get into a Western Conference final, I would think. Um, even Memphis was good, but not to this level. <clears throat> so we'll see how it works out. Players will have to make some big decisions, their agents, I guess, and the Jazz will have to work alongside that, but... Ryan does walk into one of the most interesting years in Jazz franchise history when it comes to to spending and contracts, right? I don't know. There was always that summer of Malone when Larry and he were always uh, kind of feuding through radio waves about, you know, I'm underpaid and I'll never play for the Jazz again. I mean, it was always a summer of of intrigue. But this will be interesting. There's not much time, DJ, as you said. I mean, these decisions, if they haven't been made, they're going to have to be made and, and made overnight. And as Dennis has always told us, there's always plan A through Z. So you check off one and move on to the next. And that's what good franchises do. They have to have plans. And I'm sure that, that plan is, those plans are very deep and pretty much uh, on a chalkboard somewhere and uh, well-known by Ryan, uh, Ryan Smith as well. Well, Bowler, go Chiefs. <laughs> They're not on TV again because it's Carolina. I think people think that's going to be boring. I can't believe they haven't been on TV twice. They're on TV every week. Well, you know what, though? It's regional. As you know, mm. uh, when I was at CBS, I always looked at that uh, pie chart of you know how this, the country was chopped up. Ah, I got 11%. I tweeted, out, I tweeted out for you every week, Bowler. I know. I appreciate that, too, because I always look at that map. I go, not again. Come on. <laughs> but you know what also is a bummer is the doubleheader rule. You know, when the, know. the early game versus late, then the doubleheader on Fox. Or, yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and it, sometimes it always gets caught that way. But remember, Midwest, we're in the West. And it's all about the Broncos. So. Yeah, you're getting a lot of Chiefs games here. It's, well, not yeah. as, uh, it's not as much about the Broncos as it used to be. You know, the AFC West is getting some love, which yeah. is good. Yeah. But. Well, they got good teams. All right. Thanks, Bowler. We appreciate right, it. Talk to you soon. All right. DJ and PK, there's Kansas City Chiefs superfan and Kansas City native Craig Bowlerjack talking Utah Jazz as well. It's going to be an interesting offseason, even if November is now the offseason. That's weird. But uh, it'll be an interesting month for the Jazz. You got to figure a month from now, PK, they'll be in training camp, so we'll know a lot. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. When we come back, your uh, everything you missed in this show in one short, quick segment. We'll get you up to speed next. Stay with us. Let's go. The Big Show. It's a big deal. With Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Who's the most famous listener of The Big Show? If you're famous, call in. Yeah. Line two. Hello there. Who are you? Obi-Wan Kenobi. How are you? I'm all right. <laughs> Does Obi-Wan Kenobi say, I'm all right? One episode on television. Yeah. With the Diesel Brothers. Brothers. Uncle Donnie, they called me. Jeff. I got the state of Utah to grant me a gambling license to host legal poker tournament, and I made the news for that. Come on. Someone's got to be legitimate, don't they? Bob Redford, give us a call. I like Jeff, who was on the news once. That was <laughs> The Big Show. Weekdays from 2 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. 
Tom is my boy, one of the greatest leaders to be around. You know, he's encouraging, always inspiring. Uh, he bring out the best of the people around him. Uh, he want the best for everyone around him. I mean, he's the greatest quarterback all time. Uh, none that I've done in the past matter. And uh, I just learned a lot from him. He's been a great guy in my corner and uh, one of my close, close friends. That's Antonio Brown reunited with Tom Brady in Tampa Bay. A lot of loyalty right there, PK. Yeah, that's huge. If I'm Antonio Brown, I'm grateful very much so to have somebody like that. Absolutely. The Bucks adding one more piece to the puzzle. <laughs> they got a lot of talent on offense, so maybe it's a little overkill, but you never know. Uh, we just had Bowler on talking about injuries, and you never know. It doesn't seem like a big deal now, but maybe Antonio Brown could be really, really important to them. Uh, when, you, when you get to throw the ball to Evans and Gronk, you know, you, you got options. Uh, Thursday Night Football, for those of you following the NFC playoff race, obviously the Seahawks with the best record. They're the one-loss team. But there's several two-loss teams, including Green Bay, which this as a win wouldn't prove a lot for a team that's already 5-2. and two. The Niners are going to miss in their quarterback. They are missing multiple running backs. Uh, now they've had to put four players on the COVID-19 list. Uh, Kendrick Bourne tested positive. Uh, left tackle Trent Williams. Receivers Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel are going to have to miss the game. They've got one healthy receiver, Trent Taylor. They're expected to elevate three practice squad receivers. And the Niners, really, this is the definition of patchwork. And the Packers, who are favored by seven, ought to win this game pretty comfortably if they're who we think they are. Now, they've lost two out of three. And a little midseason meltdown? Man, there'd be no way to spin it if they lose to the Niners. No, there really wouldn't be. Absolutely not. You're absolutely right about that. I agree with that 100%. Am I wrong to... Just look at this season, and maybe it's because it's my perspective and it's the way I look at virtually every season, of just take it and just be looking at the games and just revel in the games themselves rather than who's going to win the Super Bowl this year because of these crazy circumstances like this. And so you're getting a team that has injuries, and then you've got the COVID thing on top of it, and a kid like Ayuk, who we saw in the Pac-12 He's probably feeling fine, but because of this contact stuff, he can't get out on the field. And so I'm, I'm sort of viewing this season not as a freebie, but just taking the games and just being grateful to have the games and don't really worry about the other stuff that we usually focus so much attention on. Well, maybe that's the way we should have moved through the last 10 years of our life and the next 10 years of our lives. There's an argument for that. I certainly get your point about this year. Um, uh, you know, it de- I guess it depends on why you lose. You know, there there will be coaches who are judged harshly and let go. Now, owners, you know, without the fans in the stands, are taking a hit. So I think it'll be a lot like college, be a little less likely to pay people off because it's coming out of the owner's pocket. At the same time, if you really want to win and if you're worth 10 or $20 billion, and some of these owners are, now some of those are assets and some have cash, so it's up to every owner. But I think we'll see some coaches paid off. I think there are jobs at stake here. Uh, I think that's less true in college. You know, it looks like the NFL is going to play, if not a 16 game season, everybody's going to play 14 or 15. Uh, in college, we know, you know, nobody's playing 12. Right? You're you're playing six, you're playing eight, you're playing 10 or 11. Um, you know, it's all over the map. So I think I feel that a little more for college than I do for pro. Okay. 
Packers, Bucks, Saints, Cardinals. Four teams sitting on two losses behind the Seahawks. So uh, pretty interesting in the NFL. I'm with you on the whole uh, worried about the Super Bowl, predict about the Super Bowl. I just think the NFL is so unpredictable. You can make a preseason pick, but I think also realistically you can sit there and argue there's 10 teams with a chance. You know, 10, 12, I don't know, pick, pick your number, 8, 10, 12, whatever it is. It's so wide open. So many things can happen. There are so many injuries. Uh, I, I play fantasy football and stay in touch with college friends. I'm not that into it. I don't obsess about the roster that much. But I was just looking at my roster, and I, my entire bench is full of injured guys. I have an injured guy in the starting lineup and two guys on a buy, and I got to make the moves here because you got to set your roster for the the Thursday night game. And I'm like, I I have to pick guys up. Every everybody's hurt, and when that happens in the NFL, you know why would you throw the you know, you know the cliche throw the baby out with the bathwater? Why would you hold a coach responsible if his team is gutted by injuries? I mean, everybody's got to deal with some, but when you're gutted, what are you supposed to do? There is a certain element in the NFL where you got to be Andy Reid. You got to have good teams, be in the mix, but obviously you're going to have years where it's it's just not possible to win big and win it all. If you are if you're nine wins when you're when you're having bad fortune, and then you win the Super Bowl and everything breaks your way, that's the best you can hope for. You know what what the Patriots did really kind of skews everything. Um, that's not normal nor expected in the NFL. Right. Yeah. Okay. All right, so we talked a little NFL this morning. We talked a lot of college football because Kyle Winningham got a four-year contract extension, and there was a lot of uh, cheering and salutations and clapping of hands and yelling, and Kyle is our guy. But there was also some gnashing of teeth, PK. People are like, and he's at the ceiling. He can't win the title. He can't win the big one. This is as good as it gets. Maybe it's time to move on to somebody else, even though they know that's not going to happen. <laughs> They're willing to say it because it's not going to happen, so you don't have to risk the downside. Yeah, well, Say that, sit in the AD's chair, the president's chair, and, and pull that trigger. Okay, but you're going to be held accountable. You better get it right. Good luck with that. And Mark Harlan has been around a good while. He's been in, he's been in this conference. This is his third uh, school he has uh, uh, employment with. Yep. Uh, and so he, he and I, and we have this little, you know, he, obviously he's a Ute through and through. Uh, but he went to Arizona, and so we have this little fun rivalry thing going on here between the two of us. Uh, and then that's not to to confuse his loyalties. It's completely uh, uh, University of Utah, 100%. Uh, but he knows. He knows what it takes. And he's seen. And he's seen a lot. And I've had some conversations with him about Kyle and about the solidness, if that's even a word, that Kyle brings to the football program and what that means. And I know there's a lot of admiration from Mark's point of view because he's told me that uh, in conversation that we've had when we're not chiding each other about uh, our old college rivalries. Uh, So he understands that. And I hope all those doubters, I mean, they need to get, I'm going to tell Kyle that. Say, you realize there's a bunch of people who don't think you can win the big one. <laughs> you what, are you, what are you going to do about that big guy? <laughs> well, I think there's some family members you could go to and say you should read the comments on our Facebook page. Now, really, they shouldn't. You've told people a million times if you're in the public spotlight, don't don't read the comments, don't go to the social media. It's just people firing off who've accomplished, you know, a very small fraction of what you've accomplished. Don't don't let them tear you down. 
Oh, most definitely. Right. I have told members of his immediate family, do not listen to my radio show. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the type of thing that is going to fire him up. And he's going maybe he doesn't win. I mean, there, there's, uh, in my lifetime, we've gone through this. Teams that literally have not won the Pac-8, Pac-10, Pac-12 titles in my lifetime. And I'm as old as dirt now. <laughs> and so it's not easy, my friends. Not at all. You know, I'll say one more thing about Mark Harlan, and we could talk to him about this, but he's really not going to want to go into it much on the air, I'm sure. Uh, but you could just do the math. He was at UCLA when UCLA let Ben Howland go. He knows all about that. And if I'm wrong on the math and he wasn't there, and I don't think I am, but if I am wrong, he still knew all the people were there, and you hear all the backdoor dirt, right? When something happens in the media, you and I hear a lot of stuff. Radio, TV, newspaper, digital, whatever. We hear a lot of stuff. So he knows. He full well knows the debate over that. Ben Hallen took UCLA to three Final Fours, and he won the conference title the year they let him go. Now, there was stuff behind the scenes, and there were personalities, and there was egos, and there was recruiting stuff, and it was a long laundry list that went into that. And Kyle, I don't know, there may be people who think Kyle is high maintenance, but he's not compared to Ben. <laughs> ben could wear people out. And I, I know Ben from Santa Barbara, and I like him, and I still, I know that. He can wear people out. But they let Ben go. And there were definitely people at UCLA who argued, you know the message you just sent to the entire college basketball universe is you can win a conference title here and get fired? Good luck going forward. Good luck hiring people. There are people who are not going to take your call. You know, and there was this whole debate back and forth. And, you know, Mark wasn't the AD. That ultimately, that call's made by ADs and or presidents, you know. But he's aware of all of that, you know, to that, what you're talking about, all this experience. So if you have someone like Kyle and the program's trending up every three years, which it clearly is, and you don't have all this drama and craziness behind the scenes that we hear with college athletics, pick your league, pick your sport, pick your coach, you don't have all of that, it's a no-brainer to give an extension. And I think Mark knows all of that. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 Zone. Coming up next, your feedback. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. The play-by-play voice of BYU, Greg Rubel. Boise State announced pending permission from local health authorities. They're going to allow a number of students to come in and be a part of that game. Your thoughts on, on kind of that announcement? I'm in favor of environment over no environment, right? I love the ambience of college football, and any crowd noise is good noise as far as a radio broadcaster is concerned. I guess I would just say if you know student-athletes, parents or family members are, are going to be allowed in the building, well, that's great. It'd be nice if the same courtesy is extended to BYU if they have people that want to attend. It would be kind of weird to have a game of this magnitude played in a truly empty building. And so while it might benefit Boise to an extent, I think even the Cougars would welcome a little bit of buzz, a little bit of juice in the building on Friday night. Hanson Scotting, weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Do you think BYU would be ranked any higher with their original schedule and being undefeated? And if not, why don't they just continue this powder puff schedule moving forward? Powder puff schedule, PK. Why don't they just backdoor it going forward? Because they want to play big-time teams. They want to show the Power Five that they can line up, play with them, beat them, and put fans in their stadium. 
It's not just about getting ranked. I think they could potentially be ranked higher if uh, that's his point. But in order for them to play their original schedule, everybody else would have to be playing their original schedule. So more than likely, there would be some teams, uh, particularly out of the Pac-12, that uh, would be ranked ahead of them, mm-hmm. uh, potentially. But, but if they were 7-0 and with that other schedule... Yeah, they would be ranked very high. There's right, but if they were 7-0 and 0 playing this schedule, while everybody else was playing their traditional schedule, they wouldn't be in this spot. They might be 20. Most likely not. No. Yeah, they might be 20, but they wouldn't be in the top 10. You could still be a very good team and have a couple of losses, given that that schedule that they had. And then they would be playing Boise at the very same time. This was already this was the original, the yeah. one game that it wasn't kept – then it was brought back, and it would be played tomorrow night as originally scheduled. This is the one permanent, even though it wasn't permanent there for a little bit, that wasn't on but is now back on according to our original schedule. Thank the military academies for that. That helped keep that locked down. Uh, we're going to have B.J. Rains on tomorrow. He's the uh, beat writer for Boise State. We had him on before the Aggie game. We had him on uh, once yeah. a – camp started to kind of give us a preview uh, he has just posted here's an email from a BYU fan it's really quite something are you ready for this PK yeah I read it but go ahead what is Idaho the new Democrats of the West where they slant things in their favor Idaho has allowed family of the players students from Boise State and their band to be there the stadium is large enough to accommodate the same size BYU fans band included and still effectuate the standards of communistic social distancing are the Broncos such losers that they have to slant things in their favor they are going down anyway dot 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 no matter how you slice it same as all those you try to steal elections and such chop on those tidbits for a while tidbits capitalized tidbits is it, yeah but it was two words too instead of it, one. two words yes tidbits is one it, word split it into two words yep well i have to say that i view everyone from idaho as a communist except for jake Plummer and ezra tap benson those are my two that i just refuse to acknowledge as communists but everyone else i what do about philo t farnsworth no communist communist okay <laughs> But and I, I hate this politics you know. stuff. I've always hated it. I don't get into it. I, I don't, and I've been saying this universally. It's not uh, one party, this party, or whatever. I, I don't understand if you can allow some. Why can't you allow the parents of the ball players on either side? They should have the option if you're allowing fans to be able to go to the game. The, those take are care their of the, sons. Take care of the parents first. Uh, Sean says communistic social distancing. How about simple home field advantage? That being said, if I was a parent from either side, I'd want to be there too. Of course, the parents. I I just, if you're going to allow, what what did they say, 1,100? I have no idea how they came to 1,100, but why can't the parents be, and from a a traveling squad, which isn't as big as probably the, the, the full squad, and so what are we looking at? A hundred people? Yeah, not everybody would be able to travel. I mean, some people and would. Maybe, yeah, some, some of them wouldn't yeah. be able to go financially or whatever it yeah, might and, be. Yeah, and some of the players from out of state, so I don't, that's going to be even harder to get to. You know, of you're, course. you're coming yeah, yeah, from yeah. California, Arizona, Texas, wherever. Uh, Brian says, <laughs> he tweets back, did you adequately chop all those tidbits? That's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> and and the, the gifts are awesome. There's, uh, there's one from Back to the Future. Future 3, Michael J. Fox. He's a bleep! 
And there is, of course, one of a BYU basketball player on the floor. Shut the F up. So that one. Oh, very nice. T.J. Yeah. Halls. Yeah. Yes, a little T.J. Halls. And then there, there uh, where they slant things in their favor, there was, of course, spelled wrong. <laughs> there was. A, yes, it was. <laughs> and then there's one of somebody. I don't know who it is. So here's the deal. The guy's literally wearing a, There's a guy literally with. Thank you for that, Yuck. There's a guy literally wearing a tinfoil hat. <laughs> Oh, well. All right. I'll retweet that. You can go enjoy all those gifts for yourself. That was uh, that was funny. Uh, so BJ Rains will be on the show tomorrow. We'll talk to him about that. Scotty and Hands are coming up next. Scotty's in Reno on his birthday. On it his is, birthday yeah. for the Utah State-Nevada game tonight. You know, with the third best team in the Mountain West Conference, PK. Well, I, and probably the fifth best team in the country. Probably not. <laughs> DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.